0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, and chapter 1, and reading for our text, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. In this chapter, the opening of the Gospel and the New Testament, it begins with the generation of Jesus Christ. It traces from Abraham right through to our Lord or to the husband of Mary, that is Joseph. A wonderful, orderly, divine plan over many, many generations. Generations divided into fourteens. Abraham to David, fourteen generations. David until the carrying away into Babylon, fourteen generations. And then from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, fourteen generations. Who would have thought in the plan and purpose of God that he should, so order it that even the carrying away into Babylon should be a significant date and time in the generations to Jesus Christ. But this is God's plan, and very clearly it can be seen looking back. When we read through this account, uh, if we have a good knowledge of the scripture, we can think of many and the events that happened through this time, many of the things that were done, and yet here it is summarised, and yet when they were done, who would have thought that the Lord was bringing about such a plan and purpose, and would so be able to summarise it here in the beginning of the New Testament of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Then we have the portion that we read in uh, Luke, which tells of how Mary was with child of the Holy Ghost and uh, how she had that made known to her, also the name that she was to call him. And then back in Matthew, uh, from verse 18, we have the angels telling to Joseph a message and telling of the birth of the Lord. And it is that message to Joseph that we have here, the word that, part of the word that was said to him, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so this morning, this is what I desire to set before you. There is three points here, three people that are mentioned in this verse. The angel says to Joseph what Mary should do. Mary, she will bring forth a son. She shall bring forth a son. The angel also says what Joseph should do. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. And then thirdly, the angel says what Jesus shall do, and that is to save his people from their sins. And actually, it is not should, it is shall that is through this verse and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So I want to look then uh, briefly at these three points, these three messages. But firstly, what a reminder. We have one verse here in Scripture. Three people are mentioned in it and three things that they are to do. Do we ever consider that in God's plan and purpose there are those things that we also are appointed to do? Remember, it was said when God called Saul of Tarsus on that Damascus road, and he asked and he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him that he was to go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. And so, whereas Saul was asking what he should do, the Lord reveals to him that already is a plan. Already I have a work for thee to do. Already it is determined and it shall then be told thee what thou shalt do who know there is no idle members of Christ's household. This people, the Lord said, have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. Not all are eminent preachers, not all are called to do great works that the world hears of and goes through the generations what they have done, but all in some way, some small way, bring forth fruit to the honour and glory of God. It is a very sad reflection on us and on our faith and on our profession if we have never asked ourselves what are we actually called to be doing in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Is it that we just seek to receive blessings from him and that there is no fruit, no works Nothing that does show forth his praise and his honor and glory from us at all. It's like uh, having a light bulb and it's having the power going to it, but the light doesn't show any light at all, it doesn't give any glory to the power that is behind it. Thou only hast wrought all our works in us. What works has the Lord wrought in us? The Apostle Paul says, I laboured more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. What effect has the grace of God had upon us? What benefit to the church? Paul speaks of the church as a body having a head, having its arms, its legs, its parts, and every part has a function. Every part doesn't have the same function. He makes it very clear. Some to honour, some to dishonour. But each part is a part of the whole. And so when we look at a text like this, when just in a very small compass an angel comes and he says there is something that Mary is doing, Joseph is doing, Jesus is doing, we may say that every one of God's Dear children, there will be something, however small, however may be insignificant for the world, and yet is something that the Lord has appointed that only they could do, only they could bring about. Well the first thing that is set forth here is what Mary should do and she shall bring forth a son. There are two things that are common with all that are born into this world with our Lord. First of this is that he was born of a woman. That is, born into this world in the same way as you and I, through being carried in the womb and then being brought forth into this world born of a woman. It was the promised seed of the woman, the promise given in the Garden of Eden that it should be Mary's seed that was brought forth. Not Joseph's seed, but Mary's seed. The second thing of common with all is that he was born under The law we have in Luke 2 and verse 22 where when our Lord was born and the days of the purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And all that was done there in the offering of the sacrifices for a male, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. And so is emphasized in the holy word of God that our Lord Jesus Christ was subject to, to that same law that you and I are under and everyone that was born in Israel were under. Of course, those laws were unique to Israel. We're not under those same laws in in a natural way now. We are under the law. We're under the Ten Commandments. We're under the law of God. We're under a duty of obedience to that law and to obey it on Pain of death, we cannot obey it. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But our Lord was brought forth under that law and a reason for it as well, that he should obey it fully, that he should make it honourable, that he should show it is a just, a right law and able to be obeyed by one that is sinless and spotless. And that is the third thing that is Different now to all men that are born. We are told in the portion that we read in the first of Luke, one Luke and chapter and verse thirty one Behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a Son and call his name Jesus. And how shall it be? It should be that it should be by the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. And Mary, she's asking, How can this be? Verse 34 How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God of God and there is a part and we read in another place regarding joseph as it was supposed uh, that he was the son of joseph but his father was in heaven when he was 12 years of age he stayed behind in the temple and his father and mother sought him sorrowing mary said that to him and uh, He responded by saying, How is it that thou sought me? Wist thou not that I must be about my father's business? But she had said, Thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And so our Lord is clearly saying that his father is not Joseph, but his father is God. He is the Son of God. And yet the line in Matthew is a very clear kingship line. It is a line that points to the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of Israel. In the word of our text, we have that Mary shall bring forth a son. And In the concluding part, following the text, it refers back to the prophets. In Micah, we have whose goings forth have been of old, but here we are told that he is to be Emmanuel, that is, God with us, shall bring forth a son. And there's something very sacred in that that the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, manifest in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel. If there's ever a text, a word, that so clearly sets forth that the Lord Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man, it is this, Emmanuel, God with us. God manifest in the flesh, the same as uh, Solomon in dedicating the temple Asked, but will God in very deed dwell upon the earth? And indeed, He has dwelt upon this earth and He is brought forth through Mary. Mary was so humbled to realize this, to be told, she says, Henceforth shall all generations call me blessed. This was a part appointed for her that no other woman in the whole world ever was appointed to do, something that only she was called to do, and she had to walk through that path. And as we said, concerning the generations before, there's a very different thing looking back than to walking through it. And when we think of what Mary was going through, what great things that she was to see and endure, when our Lord was born, and right through to his death, his sufferings. But here, this was what was appointed her at this time. In our text: She shall bring forth a son. That was her appointed work, and that is what she did very true incarnation of our Lord, the true coming of the Messiah, Christ Jesus the Lord. But then we have a word from the angel concerning Joseph, what he was to do. Now really the first thing that was said was before our text, and Joseph was told to not fear, to take unto him Mary his wife. He had heard, he knew, that she was with child. And we're told in verse 18, with child of the Holy Ghost, but he didn't know that. He only knew that she was with child. And so the angel then appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Now he is told that, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So he was told first to not fear, and then to take Mary as his wife and then to name him. And the name given was the same that was given to Mary, that she should name him. It must have been a wonderful confirmation that both of them had the same name that was given confirmed to them both. How remarkable that is. Sometimes we can easily overlook that. But we we think of the normal way that they would have taken some of their families, like in the case of Zacharias and John the Baptist. Zacharias was told his name shall be called John. All the people wanted to name him after his father, but his mother said not so, and his father confirmed it his name shall be called John, and then his mouth was opened. He was able to speak, though he'd been dumb all through her pregnancy. But here with our Lord, the name is given not not to one and then passed on to the other, as it would have been with Zacharias, but here it is given to them both. But Joseph... As the husband of Mary, he was charged with this to call his name Jesus. There's a very prominent place in Scripture that is given to the name of our Lord. And it is, of course, bound up with his work, his death, and that which he has accomplished. Let me think of Paul writing to the Philippians in chapter 2. Then we have uh, the work of our Lord and that which he did, though being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so, when we think of His name being called Jesus, this is the name that the Father hath highly exalted. It hath pleased Him that in Him, it is pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And that this name is not just a a name like any other name. It is a name above every other name. And when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he also tells them in the first chapter that he has wrought in Christ and raised him up, set him on his right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And I believe it should always be in the church of God that his name should be used. It should be used in singing, in song, in praise, and in all the church of God. It is a name God has said is above every name. A name that in the Old Testament was kept hidden, was never told, was never revealed. The name even when our Lord in his pre-incarnation appearances appeared to Manoah and his wife, to Gideon, to Jacob, To Abraham never was his name given, though it was asked. But here it is given, and Joseph is to name him. And we read in the last verse there, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So he did as he was appointed. You might think, well, it's in quite a small part, and role that Joseph played in the bring into this world of the eternal Son of God. He was the husband of Mary. But he couldn't be called the father of our Lord. His father, our Lord's father was in heaven. But as the husband of Mary, then his was given the part to take her to be wife and to name the child. Openly seen, rightly, many of them, many of those that saw the Lord, they supposed in a natural way that Joseph was the father. But those that truly were given faith, that truly knew what is recorded here, knew that great and blessed truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, is the eternal God, and that this name then is a precious name, not only because given by God, not only because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, but what the name itself signifies, which is in the latter part of our text and I want to look at under this heading of what the Lord Jesus then was to do. The name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the angel tells Joseph, tells Mary fast, or Joseph tells Joseph what Mary should do, and then what he should do, and then what Jesus should do. He shall save his people from their sins. There's three things that are very evident from just this short sentence. Firstly, that he has a people. It's easy for us to overlook in thinking of this. Here is a baby that is to be born in the womb at the moment and yet the angel says that he has a people you might say what does that mean the the jews his his people like his generations his parentage very evident from the scriptures that It is not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. Our Lord says in John 10, that other sheep I have which are not of this fold, that is the Jews, them also I must bring. And Paul is very clear, writing to the Ephesians, that the people of God are in every nation and kindred and tongue. So it says before us a people, a people that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, a people that were given him by his Father, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, a people that were given him to redeem and to save and to do as what is set forth here. But the people already existed, already they were known of God, chosen of God, appointed to salvation, already they were in Christ. And yet they must in their time away be born, in their time away be converted and called. But he has a people. And may our concern and desire be that we might know that we are his people, that we are numbered in this text. For he shall save his people from their sins, none other there should be, our concern and desire that we be his people. The second thing that is said, that these people are sinners, because he shall save them from their sins. They are sinners. We never think that God's people are brought into this world any different than any other. They are sinners and lost and ruined in the fall Just as all others, there is no difference. We all come forth from the womb, speaking lies. We've all gone astray. We've all gone our own way. The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. The difference is not in our purity or what we are, but in the choice of what we are to Christ and what Christ is to us. What a message that this is. Those that know themselves as sinners will find Christ precious. The natural man does not like the idea that he is a sinner. And yet the word of God sets forth in no uncertain terms that man is fallen. He is a wicked, he is evil in his thoughts, in his heart, Though he may do good one to another, yet even in those good works there is sin mixed with everything. Sin is the transgression of the law of God. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's all our good works as filthy rags. We are all under the sentence of death. We all come forth from the womb speaking lies. We are all under condemnation already. We are sinners by birth. We are sinners by practice. We are sinners under condemnation. We are sinners that are governed by our corrupt evil nature to bring forth sinful and evil fruits. And we are sinners that must one day stand before God and to give an account And those sins must be dealt with. They must be paid for. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, either our own blood or another's on our behalf. And so this text is very, very clear that God's children are sinners. Are we sinners in our own sight? Do we feel and know our sins day by day? Have we ever been brought face to face with them and do as our daily experience of our sin makes us anew to desire a right relationship with the Lord and to know what this third thing is said that he shall do for his people. He shall save his people from their sins. If you and I know our sins, There's several ways that we would be mindful of how the Lord shall save us from our sins. The first is by his death. The Lord says when he came before Pilate, for this cause came I into the world. It was that he should die in the place of his people. He was the Paschal Lamb. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. It is the Lord Jesus Christ instead of us that should bear the sentence of death and the wrath of God in our place, a substitutionary offering. This is the reason why the Lord came and why he had to be made a man so that he could die, so that he could lay down his life for his people. I lay down my life for the sheep I lay it down, not at myself. I lay it down that I might take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Also he shall save them by his, from their sins by his life. We mentioned that he was born under the law, to fulfil the law, to live a life we could not live, to obey a law we could not obey, to work out a righteousness for us that shall be given to us that believe, that we might stand before God. You know, usually, if we come before anyone, even on earth, and they might ask us, well, what's your life been like? How have you lived? What have you done? You might give them a history of your life. Well, how will it be to come into heaven, you say, What's your life been? And all there is is this long list of sins. What a righteousness that is. We cannot stand before God with that, but to be given to stand in Christ's righteousness. Him says, In Christ's obedience, clothe and wash me in His blood, so shall I lift up my head before the sons of God and he's lifted up with joy since by his death by his life by his preaching and the preaching of those that he commissioned to preach it hath pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe and what was his preaching? the same preaching as the Apostle Paul Jesus Christ and him crucified. The same preaching as he preached the two on the way to Emmaus, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The setting forth of that one ransom, the one way of salvation. Our Lord said, if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall perish in your sins." and it is to those that believe that salvation is. So the commission is, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That is the uh, commission of our Lord, and it is through preaching that he shall save his people from their sins. It is also through the gift of the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit is given to convict of sin. He is given to apply the word with divine power. It is God's presence with us. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And his presence especially through the powerful preaching of the gospel. Tarry at Jerusalem, the disciples were told, until ye be endued with power from on high And so under the preaching through the Holy Spirit, men, women are called by God. They partake of the new birth. They are given then that willingness to depart from sin, to hate sin and to seek the Lord and to seek his righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ, having died and ascended again from the dead, and ascended into heaven. He makes intercession for his people. He speaks for them on their behalf, appearing in the presence of God for us. And in all our lives it is the Lord that shall save us from the power and dominion of sin here below, and shall save us from eternal condemnation. He saves from sin by bringing through this world safely and bring to heaven, and then publicly justifying his people before the judgment throne, and saying before all, I own this people, I have chosen this people, I have died for this people, I have brought them to faith, and they have walked in my fear, they have trusted in my salvation, and I own them, They are my people, and before all of the worlds, before those who have condemned them, before those who have ridiculed them, they shall be exonerated, they shall be shown to be the people of the Lord. The Lord pictured a most solemn situation where there were those that said they were the Lord's, but the Lord didn't own them. He said, Depart from me, I never knew you. How vital it is for us here below to have those visits and blessings from the Lord, from heaven, that are very, very clearly not manufactured by ourselves, we're not relying on another's ascent, but the witness is from heaven. In Romans 8, we are told that it is to have the witness, our spirit, bearing witness with his spirit, or his spirit bearing witness with our spirit, the spirit of adoption, that we are the children of God. It is to be spiritually minded, which is life and peace, and not carnally minded, which is death. The carnal mind, it comes from below and is very, very, very strong. And the only way it can ever be overcome is by the Holy Spirit of God and the blessing of the Lord in our souls. God's people will have a constant battle with the old nature, but greater is he that is with us than that is in the world. And may we always be encouraged, though we always remain and feel to be sinners, yet we have in the Lord Jesus Christ one that is able to save unto the uttermost all that come unto God by him. And is right at the very first, before he is ever brought forth into the world. There's this beautiful word given, his name shall be called, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We mentioned the word shall, how vital that that is. Not maybe, not might, but shall. salvation sure. The responsibility, the accountability, the honour, the glory of saving a people from their sins belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. And it is our blessing if we know his saving work in our hearts saving faith in him and a deliverance daily through the Lord Jesus Christ from our sins and that blessed prospect and hope beyond beyond this world, beyond the grave, to be with the Lord forever in heaven. He prays in John 17, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me, this same people here, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Lord had his blessing, and may it be that there is a fourth one in this text that the word is too, and that is you, and that is me. Amen.